This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. Well, good morning uh, again. Uh, it was such a long passage. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, that was the sermon. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, it's an honor, as always, uh, to be with you all uh, and again, there's countless ways that, that you as a church are, are serving us um, at, at New City, Paramore Ave. Um, and so I'm, I'm so thankful, grateful uh, to be able to come back here and, and serve in this, in this way. Uh, because many of you all are, are uh, in many ways, doing what this passage says. Seeking his kingdom and, and giving us um, not just your, uh, your treasure, but your time and your talents. And um, so for that, I, uh, I'm, I'm super grateful uh, just to give you a, a little update, uh, we actually have a very busy week um, ahead of us. We are uh, having a vacation Bible school um, with about 40 kids, um, kindergarten through fifth grade, um, so pray for me. Um, fortunately, I'm not the one heading that up, so um, uh, Orangewood is actually uh, helping us putting that on. Uh, so again, a uh, chance where we're connected in, in that way. So uh, very thankful, but pray for us. Uh, pray for all those kids that they, uh, that they show up. Uh, pray that Jesus would be glorified. Pray that this would be an opportunity for us to um, be introduced to new families that we don't already know, which has already happened. Uh, and so just praying that this is uh, a chance to just build that momentum uh, with more and more uh, folks. So, um, so pray for us. All right. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some profound uh, words from Jesus this morning. Uh, some pretty hard ones, uh, I would say. And um, that, that word treasure um, is, is uh, actually a word that means it's a, it's a place where you put valuable things. Um, and actually it can mean uh, a casket. Kind of an interesting thought, but, but really, you, you put a valuable thing in a casket, right? You put um, a body, you put someone who was alive um, in that place. And, and, and as I thought about that, it made me think, um, what will I bring with me uh, to my grave? What's going on with me? And of course, the answer is nothing, really. Um, but many times I act uh, like I will, like I'm, I'm bringing my whole, my whole life with me. Um, and so it made me start thinking of uh, an epitaph. Uh, what's going to be on my tombstone? Uh, what's going to be uh, on my grave? Uh, wh- what will my tombstone say about my life? Um, it, it, uh, it says what I was living for, right? That's, that's what your tombstone says about you. It says what was important for me. It says uh, what had my heart, right? That's what, that's what your tombstone says. What, what, what's my heart all about? Um, so my question for us this morning is, what, what will our tombstone say? Um, will it say, well, he died with a lot of toys, right? He who dies with the most toys wins, um, and yet he still dies, right? Um, will it say, well, he had the finest clothes that, that, that money could buy. Uh, he, he looked amazing all the way up until the last day, right? Um, but he still died. Um, will it say, well, you know what? Uh, she never looked a day older than 40, um, but she was 80, and she still died. It didn't matter. Um, will it say, man, the community loved him because he just had so much stuff, uh, and he always gave, it, uh, he always gave parties and, and had people over, and that was what he was known for. Um, is that what it will say? Or, or will it say, you know what? She didn't have much, uh, but she gave her heart to the kingdom, 
and she was rich. So let's talk about this question this morning. What, what is your life for? What is your heart um, all about? I have three points this morning. Um, they're fairly simple. First point is the emptiness of self-living. The emptiness of self-living. Uh, the second point is the abundance of kingdom living. Uh, and finally, the treasure of the kingdom. So let's, let's talk about the emptiness of self-living. Listen, the world says uh, if you live for yourself, you'll have everything, right? Um, the world says the goal of your life is just go get as much stuff as possible. He who dies with the most toys wins, right? Um, that, that, that actually life equals the amount of stuff that you have. That's, that's what the world says. If you don't have a lot of things, then uh, you probably don't have much life, uh, it's, it's like you're almost like less alive uh, if you don't have a lot of stuff. I mean, if you don't believe me, I mean, just look at uh, Black Friday, right? Um, uh, it's the time of year when uh, retailers go from being in the red, in the negative, to being in the black, in the positive. Um, and, and, but, but now I would say Black Friday is known as Black Friday because people are dying, right? Uh, you just look around, uh, I think it was last year, maybe a couple years ago, New York, a Walmart um, employee at 5 a.m., uh, 200 people pile into this Walmart and trample this guy, right? And people are trying to give him CPR, um, and they get trampled, um, and the guy dies. Same place, um, a, a 28-year-old pregnant woman loses her baby um, because she's trampled um, in the midst of the chaos. Three other people are injured as well, and all for What? That flat screen TV for $100, right, instead of $200 or whatever. Um, the $2 waffle maker, right? I mean, come on. You've got to get that thing, and people are dying. Um, I know this is extreme, right, but, but it's evidence of who we are as a culture. And don't tell me you're not online, right, on digital whatever that day is, right? You're doing it. Um, you just don't have to trample anybody um, to get there. But listen, you, if you're not fighting this, if we're not fighting this, we're being swept up in it. It's just, it's the nature of, of our culture right now. Um, this is who we are, right? Um, uh, just look at the media. Uh, just, just look at the sheer amount of commercials, right? Um, when you're watching uh, TV or just the advertising that, that just bombards us, right? Um, they, all say, they all sell the same thing, right? Life is the nice food you eat. Life is the clothes you wear. Life is the makeup you have, the, the body that you have, how attractive you are to the opposite sex, the, the house you live in. It's the places you shop. I mean, I mean, Axe Cologne, right? I mean, these are, these are ridiculous ads. Um, men, if you put this stuff on, women will literally have a feeding frenzy over you, right? Um, Lexus, the pursuit of perfection, right? And, and these commercials come on, and it's dark, and there's like the perfect amount of water on the road, and the car like drifts around a corner 100 miles an hour in some city where there's no other cars around. Um, they pull out up at some swanky club, right? And the guy gets out, uh, valet opens the door. He looks like James Bond. Uh, he's got a tuxedo on, and the passenger gets out. It's this woman that's kind of like scantily clad, but she's classy. Um, and, and they go off for their night, right? And we look at that, and we go, Wow. That would be awesome, right? HGTV, I hate that channel. Um, I just rehabbed my house, that's why I don't like it. Look, every show, it's about what your house is supposed to look like, right? If you don't have granite countertops, I mean, do you live in America, right? Um, courts, sorry, they're courts now, that's the other one. Um, 
Or, I mean, oh, that carpet. I mean, goodness gracious, this has got to go. We've got to have hardwood floors. And that bathroom, I mean, have you seen that thing? We've got to have his and her sinks. I mean, it never ends, right? Um, it never ends. Uh, beauty products, right? I mean, we can regrow your hair or we can make you not have hair. We can make your skin look young forever. Get rid of the blemishes, get rid of the wrinkles, the stretch marks, whatever. Um, and then, look, we have examples of all that stuff um, getting lived out in front of us on TV with, with, with people that we look up to for some reason. Um, so we, we live our lives through, through these people that, that have all of that stuff. They've got all the money, um, and they have so much money that they just mess around all day, right? Um, they get into these petty little arguments about who came to the party last night, and there was some drama about somebody sleeping with somebody else, and, but there's never any real consequences because they've just got so much stuff, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, so Housewives of New York, Atlanta, the real world, Jersey Shore, keeping up with the Kardashians. I mean, the name says it all, right? Keep up with them. We've got to have real life. Do you have it? Can you keep up, right? Jesus sweeps in. He says, you fool. He says, you fool. Not because he's trying to take the fun out of your life, but because he's saying you don't have a life. If that's what you're doing, right? He says, you don't even have life. You have everything and yet you have nothing, is what Jesus says. It sounds similar to something we've already heard Jesus say. What good is it a man for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very own soul, right? You look at our passage in verse 15. He says this, watch out. Um, sorry, I, I have to remember. I'm preaching from the NIV um, at, at uh, Paramore Ave, so I'll, I'll read from the ESV. I'm sorry. He says, take care uh, and be on your guard. It wasn't that funny. Um, <laughs> He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And there it is. Well, your life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. And so Jesus goes on, he tells a story of a man who, look, he, he's wise in all the ways that I just talked about. He, he is the world's man. He plants a crop and God blesses him with abundance. He makes a ton of money and God, I mean, God's giving him more than his daily bread. And now he's got this new problem. Where do I put it all, right? Um, well, I know I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And this will be the life. I'm set for the future, right? I don't have to work anymore. I can put my feet up and rest and retire, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the point? Isn't that what this is all about? If I can work hard and then I can play even harder, but Jesus tells us um, the truth in verses 20 through 21. You fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've, you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, the world says if you live for yourself, you'll have everything, and Jesus says if you live for yourself, you'll have nothing. But by saying this, Jesus isn't being mean to us. Let me make that clear. He's being so gracious to us. He's being so gracious to us because he's pointing at the water that we're drinking and saying, you fool, let me open your eyes so you can see what's really there, right? Let me open your eyes to show you it's dirty. It's full of mud and disease and poison. You drink it, you get sick and you die, but most of us, myself included, are content to drink the dirty water, right? We, just, we love it. Um, we look around and we see other people dying after they drink it, but we say, well, it's the only water there is, so... I guess that's what I'm gonna do is just keep drinking it. And so, you know, when you start drinking dirty water, you just, you get a taste for it. You love it, but it never satisfies you. 
Um, so you keep going to the well and you guzzle it down, but you're just more thirsty every time. It's just this voracious appetite, this cycle. Uh, you can never um, get enough. Your appetite gets so big, it's, it's, you're the guy in the parable. I just need bigger barns so I can just keep all my stuff, you know? Um, it's, it's like McDonald's. You can eat it uh, over and over again, and it just never really fills you up, right? Or it's like a Coke. You go to that 7-Eleven. It was Slurpee Day yesterday. Hope you got your Slurpee. It's like that Coke after that 64 ounces of the Big Gulp. You're like, where's the next 64, right? I mean, it just it doesn't really satisfy your thirst. You just want some more. And so what we don't realize is living for ourselves, um, we're trying to own all of this stuff. And it's just owning us. It's just owning us. It's eating us alive. We're drowning in the dirty water. We're holding on to our life with this death grip, and yet it just slips right out of our hands. All right? All right. <clears throat> I think as I was thinking about this, uh, I think all of us fall into probably two categories of people. Um, here's the first category. Um, you've already got all the stuff. So you're, you're the rich guy in, in the parable who's just looking for bigger places to keep uh, your stuff. And, but Jesus tells us we're putting our stuff into a purse, he says, that's going to wear out. Uh, the moth and the rust are, are going to destroy it. And our struggle is this insatiable appetite for more. I just, I just got to have more um, because having what you have now doesn't uh, bring you happiness. So, well, I got to go get more, right? Um, and you're eaten up by worry is what this, this passage says. Because can you ever have enough, right? That's, that's the first category. But, but the other category would be uh, you don't have the stuff. Um, but you've, you've made it your life's goal that that is what life is all about, right? So whether you've got it or you don't have it, you're in the same boat. Uh, and if you don't have it, you might have been sold the biggest lie in the world, um, which is that, um, that, that you might not even be able to take care of your real needs first. Um, because you'd rather go try to make it look like you've got everything that the world has um, ahead of time. So, um, so rather than uh, investing in something that, that, that gives you a return, you put your money in, in, in silly things or um, you go out to restaurants that, man, if I go there, man, I'm, I'm, I got it made. I must be important, right? Really, you should be sitting at home eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that's okay. Um, but, but we've been sold the lie that this is what life is all about. If I can't go here, if I can't have that car, then that's a shame. So listen, you can see where all this leads, right? Um, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. It just eats us alive. It's the emptiness of self-living. Uh, it's empty because it never goes anywhere. Uh, if you're on the bottom with nothing, you get inside of that hamster wheel and you just try to get more. Um, but you've been deceived into thinking that's what life's all about. Um, and if you're already on top, your appetite is so big, you can't ever get satisfied, right? The emptiness of self-living. So what do we do? How do we get out of that vicious cycle? How do we get out of um, the hamster wheel uh, of, of living for ourselves? Well, the passage tells us, it says, seek my kingdom. Don't seek your own kingdom, seek my kingdom. So listen, the second point, the abundance of, of kingdom living, you know, the gift that God gives us, I think, in this passage is this. Your life is about something way bigger than you. Yeah, you're, you find life, you get life when you pursue something that, that, that's not your own life. You have an abundance when you seek the kingdom of God. But now listen, when I say abundance, um, let me be clear, I don't mean stuff necessarily. I don't mean you'll get a lot of possessions when you seek God's kingdom. I mean by an abundance that you will have true life. 
That's what Jesus promises us right here. True life. So listen, I wanna say three things about this abundance of kingdom living and what happens as we live for the kingdom. First, we have freedom from worry. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Do you worry? I sure do. Uh, Tuesday morning, um, just this past week, uh, my son woke up um, and uh, fell on the floor uh, and started writhing around in pain, talking about how his stomach was hurting. Uh, my, my son has had a lot of issues with stomach things for the past seven, eight, nine months. Um, I can't really remember at this point. It's been so much. Uh, just a week ago, he had a 104 fever. Um, and, and, and he wakes up a week later, he's on the floor, and we're thinking, you gotta be kidding me, right? We just went through this. Um, so I, I leave um, Kristen, I go to work, and um, three hours later or so, she uh, calls me and says, listen, it's still going on. Every 20 minutes or so, he's just falling to the ground, he's rolling around in pain, and, um, and then he'll get up and he'll be fine. I'm confused, I don't know what to do. Can you come home and... Help me out. So I come home and he's singing the wheels on the bus uh, as loud as he can, right? I'm like, there's nothing wrong with him. Uh, and two minutes later, he's on the ground. Um, I said, all right, we're going to the hospital. I'm not playing around. Um, worry, right? Worry. What's going on? What's going to happen? So we, we get to the ER and you can tell they're concerned, right? Um, because they, they get us in quick. Um, he doesn't just have a little flu bug. There's something else going on. And you can, you can hear the doctors kind of talking about your kid. You don't really know what they're talking about. But um, you, you, you know something uh, is going on. Worry. Worry. It's starting to eat me up inside. And then they come and they tell us what's going on. He's got an intestinal intussusception. Say that five times fast. Um, all right, doc, I don't know what that means. Tell me what that means. Um, well, one part of his intestines are, are being pulled down into the other, basically. So every time that happens, he falls to the ground, right? Um, so they tell us uh, about, hey, here's one way we can fix this. Uh, hopefully this will work. Uh, but if not, you know, he says the S word, surgery, right? My little two-year-old, surgery, no way, worry, Start taking me over, right? What's gonna happen? Well, fortunately for me, the story ends up with the, the good news of the, the procedure works. Um, they don't have to do anything. Um, they don't have to do any surgery. I mean, uh, an hour later, Sam's eating a popsicle and singing the wheels on the bus, and it's all good, um, and we get to come home um, the next day. But you better believe, right? While I'm sitting in that hospital, I'm saying, God, you would have me preaching, uh, on a text where Jesus tells his disciples in verse 22, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't worry? Come on, Jesus. I mean, really. Uh, it seems a little bit insensitive. I mean, look at where we are right now. So what does he mean by do not worry, or do we just get frustrated that he says that? I mean, uh, it, it's a command. It is a command. Jesus is saying, do not worry. Um, but, I, but I don't think he's saying, um, you know, the old, there's an old saying, worry is a sin, worry is a sin, stop worrying. And then what do you do? You just worry about the fact that you're worrying, right? I'm sinning every time I am concerned about something. Um, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying for us to feel guilty um, in those moments. But I also don't think he's saying, oh, don't worry about it, right? God will provide. Um, he's not saying, uh, giving us an excuse to be irresponsible, um, you know, go spend your money that you could, should have been spending on your house to buy back to school clothes, 
Um, don't worry about it. God will give you what you need. Um, I don't think he's saying, you know, go to Ruth's Chris uh, Steakhouse uh, when you should be going home and uh, just eating some turkey sandwich um, because you don't have money for all that. Um, but I do think this is what he's saying. As he says, don't worry, what he's saying is, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Worry doesn't have to define you. Worry doesn't have to dictate your life. He's saying, worry is what eats you alive when you're living for yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Worry is what caused the rich guy to say, oh, what do I do? I gotta go tear down my barns and build bigger ones because the thing that's giving me life, I'm running out of it and I gotta make sure I've got enough of it, right? Um, And Jesus is saying, you're a fool, You're missing the point. You're missing that life is not about your kingdom, it's about my kingdom. And that life is about your place in my kingdom. So he's saying, you don't have to worry because the king of the kingdom loves you. The king of the kingdom loves you and you can call him father and he will provide for you. All right, so the first thing about this kingdom living is that you have freedom from worry. But the second that goes right along with what we just said is that in kingdom living, we are children of the king. You see, the cure for worry is to rest in your identity. The cure for worry is to rest in your identity. What's your your identity? Your identity is that you are a child of the king. Your identity is that you can call God Father. You see, if your stuff owns you, then you worry. But if God owns you, then you can be free uh, of your worry. Look at verse 30 and, and 32. In in verse 30, uh, Jesus says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. And then in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He loves to give you the kingdom. See, one of a father's main roles in in a family is to to provide for his family, right? And for us fathers, uh, there's nothing for me, in a sense, that brings more joy uh, than to be able to provide for my family, uh, than to be able to come home and, and give them um, what they need. And so Jesus tells us that God does the same thing for us. And so he gives us two pictures of that, right? In verses 24 to 26, Jesus talks about this raven, a common bird, kind of a silly bird, really. Um, there's nothing really special about it. Um, it's not beautiful. It's not a parrot or a peacock or something like that. It doesn't, doesn't really attract you in any way. Um, it's not rare, right? You see it everywhere. And yet Jesus says, God provides for this common little bird everything that it needs, as though that little bird were its only child. <laughs> Why are you worrying? How much more valuable are you than a bird? He says, you are valuable to God. You see, when we chase after all the stuff, what we're trying to do is we're striving to make ourselves valuable to the world by pursuing all that stuff. And Jesus says, you have value, not because of the stuff you have, but because of the the fact that you're a child of the king. God is in control of everything, right? Uh, From the number of hairs on your head to the tears that fall down your cheek, he knows about it all, he says right here. He knows what you need. So don't worry, because you can't add uh, to your life uh, by doing all of that. And then in verses 27 to 28, Jesus talks about flowers. He says, uh, these flowers are beautiful. They're they're more beautiful than Solomon, the king, uh, dressed in all of his uh, splendor with his royal robes and his crown on. Um, They're more beautiful than the the finest dressed people. So Versace and Gucci and Dolce and Cabana and whatever all else. You can tell I don't know any of that stuff. Um, Compares nothing 
to a simple flower, right? C- clothes come and go. Uh, what's cool now is, is so last year um, in a year, right? Um, and then what was cool uh, 10 years ago all of a sudden is cool now um, with a twist. You can't keep up, but Jesus says, look at this little flower, right? Look at this flower. After all, it's, it's a flower. What you see isn't even its clothing. It's just who it is. Um, it doesn't even have to put clothes on. Um, you see, our finest clothing is just an attempt to give ourselves more value in the world is what Jesus is saying. But then again, Jesus says, that's not where your value comes from. Your value comes from being a child uh, of the king. Rest in that. All right, so the third thing in there. First, in kingdom living, we have freedom from worry. Second, we, have, uh, we are children of the king. And third, God says, we have a purpose in the kingdom. Look at verse 31. Uh, it says this, instead, seek his kingdom. And these things uh, will be added to you. What are you saying is you're free from setting your heart on the things of the world. Now you can set your heart on things above. The treasure in heaven is what he calls it. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Maybe it's coffee. Um, that's what it is for me oftentimes. Or maybe it's your two-year-old standing over you waiting for you to wake up um, way too early. Um, but really, why do you even get up? Why do you even roll out of bed uh, in the morning? You see, Jesus is saving us, I think, right here. He's saving us from being the fool that he just talked about. You see, the reason a fool gets out of bed, he tells us, uh, is to get more stuff so that he can go to bed that night in the hopes of getting more stuff the next day, right? But Jesus says, you have a new purpose. He says, your purpose is to go after my kingdom. He says, that will never um, leave you empty, That will never leave you empty. Now, what does that mean, right? That sounds cool. Seek God's kingdom. Um, Well, I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't mean everybody becomes a pastor. Please don't do that. Um, That's not going to save the world. Um, Don't become a pastor. It doesn't mean everybody goes overseas to be a missionary. Um, It doesn't mean that that we go and be radical for Jesus in some way. Um, uh, It certainly can mean those things, but let me tell you, seeking the kingdom of God is for ordinary people. It's for ordinary people. Seeking the kingdom of God uh, means that your perspective has been changed by the king. That's what that means. It means what's your heart set on? Is your heart set on you? Um, Or has your heart been freed up to be set uh, on God and what he uh, is doing in the world? It it means uh, that if I was to peel back the layers of my life, right, all the stuff that I, I put out there as being my identity, if I was to peel it all back and look down at my heart, what would I find? Um, Is it me, the sinner? Um, Or is it God and his kingdom at the center? You see, whatever's at the center of my life is gonna motivate me to do everything um, that I do. So if it's you, uh, if it's me at the the center of my world, then I seek my world. I seek my stuff. Uh, But I become like the rich fool who says, tonight your soul will be demanded from you. And what are you gonna give? Who are you gonna give all that stuff to? But Jesus is giving us the opportunity right here to have true life. By giving us a purpose that's so much bigger than us. You see, he's giving us life by lifting our eyes um, out of our situations and our circumstances to see um, something else, something bigger. Um, I talk about this all the time in our neighborhood. We've got to lift our eyes to see a vision that's bigger than what's going on right here, right? That's the biggest gift that God gives us. Lift our eyes up to see um, that there is something bigger, there is something greater, um, that God is at work. So how do you seek the kingdom of God in, in your ordinary life? 
Well, if you've got a lot of stuff, Jesus tells us in verse 33, go sell it. (laughs) I love how frank and honest Jesus is, right? Um, And give it to the poor. Why does he say that? Is it it because if you do that, then you'll have Jesus? No, he's saying he's giving you freedom. He's saying, you know what? All that stuff might be owning you. (laughs) Here's your ticket out. Just go sell it. Um, Get free of the shackles of materialism. Um, How else do we seek the kingdom of God? If you have kids, uh, tell them the story of God. Um, When they disobey, remind them that there's someone who never disobeyed and died for their disobedience. Don't work to give them stuff so they can be happy. Work and then give yourself to your family. Right? That's the kingdom of God. That's seeking his kingdom. See, because you are far more valuable um, to your family than another game system or a TV or expensive vacation or another house or whatever. On your job, uh, work hard, but not to get promoted, but because you have the opportunity to glorify God, right? But you can also pursue your coworkers in, in genuine relationships, um, you don't have to have your Bible on your desk um, or, or spend your lunches in hyper-spiritual quiet times waiting for someone to just ask you about why are you doing that, right? Um, talk to them. That might be good, right? Talk to people. <laughs> I don't mean about necessarily even about Jesus. I just mean share your life with them. Be vulnerable with people. <laughs> Tell them about your struggles um, and about your hope uh, that only comes in Jesus. Um, there's your opportunity um, to seek the kingdom um, each day. Love your neighbors. Um, invite them uh, into your mess. Uh, that's my favorite. Um, we struggle uh, sometimes um, as a family. Uh, we got to clean up the house, you know. And I was, look, just come into my mess, right? <laughs> um, this is who I am. This is who we are. Uh, yes, there's peanut butter and jelly on the floor. Yes, that's because my son ate right there. Um, but that's how we do life. Invite people in. Um, do you know how attractive that is? Um, the kingdom is attractive. Your security in who we are uh, as children of God is so attractive um, to people. Um, pray for your neighbor, neighbors as much as you uh, might pray for yourself. Listen, I, I had a, a very real uh, way in which this was shown to me, people seeking the kingdom. Uh, my father-in-law's church, uh, as we were trying to work on our house, um, they have this team of men, older men, uh, all retired, um, and they all have skills, some more than others, uh, on houses, but it doesn't really matter because what they do is they say, we're going to give up weeks of our life, um, as retired men to go serve people, um, who need us, uh, to go work on houses. And so they go all over the country, uh, and, and, and tow their tools and everything. And they stay in on, uh, uh, blow up mattresses and houses. Um, and they just spend time and they love it. And that's, they have life um, because uh, in their retirement, uh, they're not seeking uh, to go golfing and all these things, not that those are bad, but they say, you know what, what's my life for? <laughs> uh, my life is for seeking the kingdom. Um, and so these are ordinary guys, nothing special, um, but they are uh, bringing the kingdom. You do these things um, and you'll be rich. You might not have a lot of stuff uh, like the world, but you will have a treasure in heaven. Uh, where moth and rust can't destroy. Um, You'll have far more than anybody else uh, that you might see that looks like they have a lot of things. So listen, um, the emptiness uh, of self-living, the abundance of kingdom living, and finally, the treasure of the kingdom. What are you seeking in the kingdom? The treasure of the kingdom is Jesus. It's really that simple. Look at verse 34. Um, He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
You see, our hearts are intimately tied to the thing that we treasure. Um, If our hearts are are tied to our stuff, then just like our stuff is here today and gone tomorrow, our hearts will be also (laughs) here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus, at the end of the passage, invites us to make him the treasure of our heart. And so when Jesus is the treasure of our hearts, our treasure never runs out. Because see, unlike the dirty water that we love to go to, he's the well of living water, right? His well never runs out and it always satisfies. And so how do you seek the kingdom of God? You receive the king. You receive Jesus. You see, one of the interesting things about this passage is Jesus says, seek the kingdom. But then one verse later he says um, in, uh, that, that the kingdom has been given to us already. That it was the Father's good pleasure um, to give us the kingdom. You see, we don't build the kingdom ourselves. We receive the kingdom from the king. And he invites us to ask him uh, to do that. You see, Jesus was on his way to the cross to declare that victory had been won over the kingdom of the world. He was about to give his body and his his blood to be poured out uh, to give us a kingdom that would never wear out. The treasure of the kingdom is Jesus himself. Where's your heart this morning? Where's my heart this morning? Um, Jesus says, come, bring your heart to me. I'm your treasure. Make me your treasure. There's freedom in that. There's life in that. There's abundance in that. Um, I invite you to come uh, do that. So he, when I think back uh, on the, the, what will be on the tombstone of my life, my only hope is that my treasure was Christ. My treasure was, was Jesus. Um, but I need to ask him to make himself that treasure in my life um, because I so often uh, am seeking after the emptiness. Uh, so let's, let's pray um, and ask God uh, that he would make Jesus our treasure uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, by, we are thankful that Jesus, uh, you are our treasure. Jesus, you are the one uh, who satisfies us. Um, and yet, as we already confessed this morning, we so often go after um, the things of the world uh, that leave us dry. Holy Spirit, would you work in us um, that, that Jesus would become our treasure? Would you make Jesus um, the treasure uh, of our heart? God, would you give us the freedom uh, to, to, to lift our eyes above our circumstances and the things that are owning us, um, to see that there's a kingdom that you are bringing, that you have already given to us, that it is your good pleasure uh, to give uh, the kingdom to us. Would we receive it and see that our life is about so much more um, than us? Free us, Holy Spirit, uh, from, our, uh, from our self-living. Give us kingdom lives um, that matter, and, but, but let us do it uh, one step at a time. God, thank you that you use our ordinary lives uh, to make huge impacts uh, for your kingdom. And so would you use us uh, to do that? And God, would you fuel us uh, by the treasure that is Christ? And may our hearts be found there. It's in Jesus' name we pray.